Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please. And thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey. And with me, as always, my sidekick, my... You know, the, the uh, best friend, my uh, confidant, my yang, my ying to my yang, my my Yeah, and I'm the I'm the squirrel guy. <laughs> yes, yes. Two hours later, um, <laughs> Gabe, how you doing? Enough. I'm well. I was trying to think of all all of the the sidekicks and whatnots as I could come up with. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. I always go blank when I have to think of things like that on the spot. Blue Falcon and Dynamo Dog. That's it. Dog Wonder. I like that. <laughs> there's uh, that's not bad. There's an inside joke in there for for, for some of the uh, Spirian veterans that have been around long enough. They'll they'll remember something about a falcon and maybe a maybe a, a falcon or two. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there for my for my insiders. <laughs> Anyone else who wants to figure it out? Try. I will. I will uh, see if I can accommodate you. I like those odds. How are you? I'm well. I'm well and excited. Um, this is our first video episode that we're gonna test out. Uh, so welcome, and uh, we're we're starting a two part series here, Gabe. As you're well aware of, we're gonna talk about ransomware, the security and privacy implications around that. The first part of today's series is going to be with me and Gabe, and we're going to talk about the shift that we're seeing. And then in next week's episode, we're going to have our second part, which we'll have Matthew Newfield on. He's the chief security infrastructure officer at Unisys um, to talk about the the push past the FUD. It's a fun word associated with ransomware and creating data theft resiliency. So Gabe, Let's let's dive in. What what is ransomware? Yeah, it's a, it's a good place to start. And I'll first start by answering that question with it's the it's the biggest headline right now. One of the biggest headlines in the world, but certainly the biggest headline in the in the IT and security space. And so it's why we decided to dedicate not just one but two episodes to it. We know that there's a lot of folks talking about ransomware right now. Everyone's going to jump on the Hey, let me let me tell you let me tell you about this problem, and I'm I'm very smart, and I know about the problem, and you know they are. We all we all know a lot of things about it, but I'm not sure if everyone always always starts from a place of understanding. And so that first question, what is ransomware, is a really good place to start. It it is a type of malware. There's lots of different malwares out there. Um, you know, there's there are Trojan horses, there's your traditional viruses, there are worms, but ransomware is a type of malware that can either encrypt all of your data. Or lock you out of your computer. And once the ransomware has infected your machine, it'll ask you to pay a ransom, usually in the form of a cryptocurrency. And in exchange for paying that ransom, 
the attacker will uh, decrypt your data or unlock your computer. You know, one of the interesting things about this is, uh, you know, early in the ransomware days, um, there was there was this this trust factor that had to be established between the bad guys and the people whose whose data and systems they would ransom. It's like, well, if I pay you, how do I how do I know you're going to give me my stuff back? Like, don't pay him; he's not going to give it back. <laughs> and so, it's and so some of the better big air quotes ransomware groups better is such an awful word but i'm not going to search for a better word this second um more sophisticated yeah call it that or more mature ransomware um gangs they they I'll take yeah it. they learned early that they had to earn that trust right like yeah no we will we will unlock your things because otherwise no one would no one would pay the ransom no one would pay the ransom if that weren't the case right. and so ransomware is it's a it's a form of malware it's a type of malware it, it infects it infects systems. Um, you know, a good way to think about it, infrastructure-wise, is uh, it, it targets it targets systems that are further that are furthest from the edge um, for locking them up, right? So, you know, think about the heart of your organization, the, your 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 web servers, your email servers, the, the the thing that keeps the heart beating, that pumps the blood of the org. But then the other half of it is is pushed further out to the tendrils, um, to to where the to where all that nice sensitive data lives. That's stuff that we talk about experience all day long the stuff that matters most and so it pushes pushes itself out to to those those environments and and instead of locking you out of your systems there it encrypts all of your data you know one of the one of the amusing things about uh <laughs> amusing and my word choice is just ah, it's spot on today but but the amusing things about uh ransomware <laughs> is it actually it it has some commonality with what with what the core of what we do at Spirit is, right? There's, there's this very, there's this very center of the ransomware that is important to the attackers. They have their own homegrown poor man's data discovery engine under the hood because they need to locate sensitive data to ransom it. Do they need to locate it? The answer is yes. Do they need to accurately locate it? The answer is no. So they also actually happen to like, like those engines have a ton of false positives. So it'll, when it throws that net, it'll, it'll catch. It'll catch fish and dolphin alike, which for a vegan is still a bad analogy. Again, my word choice isn't really going in the direction I want it to today. But but you get my point, though, right? Like it too understands this notion of if I'm going to right. if I'm going to put a price tag on data that I want you to pay for, I've got to ransom things that you actually care about. So there's some in- in- interesting corollaries there with uh, with what we do around here and what what those bad guys do at the at the start of in the end of the day though it all begins with the same thing right like we're trying to get to that important juicy center that data and so that's what ransomware is it's a type of malware that can either encrypt all your data or lock you out of your computer. Now you were you were using a a word when we were talking offline which was a really good example yesterday which was I think candid. Or uncanny, uncanny. I'm sorry, uncanny. Right. And you were right, mentioning right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just liked I liked what you were kind of defining with it. Yeah, the the, the conversation that, that Cam and I were having, we were talking about like defining ransom, we're like what what is it? And i I feel like it's one of those it's one of those those words that's like everyone everyone knows what it is, or at least you think you know what it is. But when asked to define it, you're like you you struggle for the words of, right. almost like if I asked you to define uncanny like most people understand and they even use the word uncanny correctly grammatically but 
but to define it clinically is is a thing that that escapes most, right? Like you know, by definition, it, it's usually something that has some type of a, a, a psychological component to it or a supernatural component. That's what makes it uncanny is having that supernatural component to it, not just being unique, maybe, which is how we tend to use it. And I think that 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 analogy came up in our conversations also because ransomware is this amorphous, ever-evolving collection of malware that I, I believe the definition of it certainly will will need to change over time. We are watching, as we speak, the evolution of it into yet its next most dangerous phase. We've seen several evolutions of it. Like, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's that data discovery component to it. Uh, the very first iterations of malware had no such component. It just, it just like, grab it was just smash and grab right like run by a jewelry store break the window grab what you can and go that was that was ransomware version 1.0 the right. current ransomware we're seeing is stake stake out some locations but not necessarily any of them because we'll take any jewelry store we find we'll take any store we find but when we find the store that left the back door open first search for the right jewels to take because maybe it's not a jewelry store. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's a pharmacy. So now in this case, you're looking for you know prescription. I'm just thinking about places people might break in and smash and take things, right? Like go to Fort Knox, find the gold. Go to the jewelry store, find find the expensive watches. And so the next iteration did that. Uh, the the iteration that we're watching now has become even more nefarious, right? It it will once it finds its target, it will enter that building, and uh, it will find what's sensitive. And it will hold it and it will ransom it. And if you don't pay the ransom, it will sell it on the black market or it'll just spill it on the sidewalk, which is problematic when the thing that the attackers are going after is your sensitive data. You know, we can go a little bit further into this. So now that we've established ransomware, what it is, and we know that hackers are increasingly able to monetize data directly, why do attackers bother holding it ransom? Well... I think one of the primary reasons for that is that their business model has established trust, so they know people will pay. And the the scenario that I, I just described, which is where ransomware like Babook has been moving to, um, you know, at the end of April this year, 2021, that ransomware is a service organization. Um, it announced that it was no longer going to have an affiliate program, and instead they were going to have just a data theft ex- extortion uh, monetization model. I use all those words, and it almost sounds like I'm talking about a real business, but make no mistake about it, ransomware is real business. It's real business. This isn't, this isn't cloak, cloak teenager in, in basement images you might see on CSI or wherever you might see such things. But Gabe, that's business. my favorite so, show. An affiliate... <laughs> <laughs> but which which CSI CSI the elevator uh, broken elevator uh, series is that the one or is that... <laughs> so no, Law and Order ele- ele- elevator uh, series it's old Simpsons joke I can't remember exactly how that goes but everything is an old Simpsons joke everything is an old Simpsons joke it, everything in fact I, I we should we should go back through the Simpsons archive and find the one where they talk about this 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 evolution of ransomware because I bet you it exists one of our guests are going to write in okay. and tell me all about it too because they're fabulous that way they are <laughs> um, we get the wildest things in our inboxes it's fabulous but so so that group in particular but they used to run an affiliate program many ransomware gangs did mm-hmm. and here's the way the affiliate program works 
instead of you getting into the ransomware business on your own and uh, distributing ransomware and so on and so forth, uh, you can join this affiliate program and you will leverage their tools, their services. Um, they will update their ransomware, their, their remote attack tools, uh, rats. They'll, they'll do all of that for you. Uh, you, you have to go out and find machines to infect and, and, and actually, you know, demand a ransom and so forth. And, and then you split the proceeds back up with these folks. Well, they've completely changed models. Now think about this for a second. To switch from a distributed model where you can have thousands of other people committing these crimes in your behalf and you just taking a cut, right? The old school godfather model, right? Like everyone's, you know, all, all he wants to do is wet his beak a little bit, right? Switching from mm -hmm. that model in favor of a pure data theft extortion model. We're just going to take it all back in-house. And now we're just going to extort the folks that we've stolen their sensitive information. So not just ransom it, but extort it. If you don't pay us, we're not just going to destroy it. You don't just not get access back to it. We're going to sell it. It's valuable. It's always been valuable. So we're going to sell it. We're going to sell it in the black market. And then we're going to make you pay still. Like you're going to feel pain. So then we're going to, we're, we're going to release some of it. We're going to leak some of it. So now you also get fined on top of it also. And you get your name in the news and all those other na naughty things that come with it. So folks are, are, have been willing to pay. A significant number of people have been willing to pay. And until this point, you know, Babook was a well-known cyber criminal organization that described itself as the best penetration testers on the dark net. Right, like that's how they described themselves. They made ransomware software available for other criminals, and then they just took a share of the payments, and their partners earn using that software. But now that change in course, where all these other where cyber organizations are now following, so instead of encrypting that data and selling decryption keys, they're now directly extorting those individuals whose data they stole. It's insane. It's crazy. It's the. Threat models, they, they will always continue to evolve in one of two ways. Uh, attackers will take the path of least resistance, so they'll always choose the easiest path. And they'll also choose the one with the highest amount of mon monetization value. Uh, that, that sounds pretty basic, right? Like if you were running a business, why would you not choose those two paths? Like go the right. easy route that has the largest payoff. Attackers are not different. And if you look at their attack vectors and their own business models through that lens, you start getting an understanding for how you might need and want to protect your business, which you alluded to earlier. In this episode, we're just going to talk a lot about the problem itself. We're going to dig into it so that everyone has a real good understanding of what it is. Because again, I think much like that word uncanny, there, there is, there is, there's this head nod of, yeah, I know what that is. Right. And I'm not sure there is an understanding of how to define it. What are some of the privacy implications with, with a ransomware attack? They are many of the same that, uh, that existed before they, they being the ransomware gang, shifted their monetization model. So you know, primarily, there is this loss of, of control of sensitive information. So now you have sensitive data in the hands of an attacker. You have sensitive data in their hands, and in the past, if, they, if you had not paid the ransom, you didn't get your decryption keys. And so you, you couldn't decrypt the data. So there were some ways that legally you were allowed to define that as an incident uh, and even portions of that, that larger breach um, as, as uh, somewhat benign in, in its exposure, right? Like whether or not that sensitive data had been exposed externally outside of the company, whether it had been exfiltrated, whether anyone else had seen it, because there are also some legal thresholds between incident versus, versus breach 
and, and when you have to notify and when you have to pay fines and all of these things. And so the privacy implications now are, are, are multifaceted. The first is we've got new laws in place. New laws such as GDPR, CCPA, a host of other ones across the, the, the globe from Poppy, et cetera. And here's stateside, uh, 38 plus and counting, uh, state privacy laws. And each one of those have made some calls for having protections of your data, even in these instances, right? So, so like, you don't get to skirt the, well, we weren't really breached because it was encrypted. No one saw it. Like they, the bad guys encrypted it and no one has keys for it, right? Like, and so we just, we turned the machines off. So there was a breach. There was a systems breach, but not a data breach. Right. No. No. The attackers installed software that gave them access to sensitive data. Flag on the play. Foul. No bueno. The second now is that as, as these, these ransomware organizations move to a data theft extortion, uh, model, well, now they're actively looking and going, ah, yeah, we know we have your sensitive data. In fact, the, the way a lot of this plays out in the news these days is, uh, you know, you'll see some reporter report like, yeah, and we validated that, uh, you know, the security researchers over at Spirian were shown some examples of this breach by the bad guys. And so we know for a fact that, that they actually have our data. They do that. They, they, they show samples of it to, to others through small numbers. It's, it's almost like someone, you know, showing some information, like a whistleblower showing information to one reporter going, here, look, here's the information in that person at, at, at the newspaper writing up an article. So, so they bring, they being the, the ransomware gangs, they, they bring this information to security professionals and they say, hey, look, so I'm going to prove to you, we have, we have our hands on this. So now you have a direct exposure of sensitive data. Like people have seen this data now. It doesn't matter why they've seen it. That original purpose of processing is most certainly violated. It's gone. It's out of the water. And then if you don't pay that ransom, they're just going to dump that information onto the streets and or sell it. So now it's completely out of the bag. Now now it's being sold for others to be used for nefarious purposes. So ransomware, like a lot of times we talk about, we talk about protecting data and protecting what matters most through the lens of it being mishandled and accidentally sent around and someone emails a thing or, or, you know, they're just emailing to themselves because they need to work from home or this work from anywhere scenario where, where, you know, now everyone has more data at home on their laptops. It, It is most certainly one of the largest causal events around the loss of sensitive information, but the privacy implications of ransomware, we, we now have thousands, thousands of ransomware gangs operating opportunistically, just sucking up as much sensitive data as they can. They're intentionally looking for sensitive data. It's not just smash and grab. It's smash, find sensitive data and grab. Smash, find sensitive data and grab. That's what they're doing now. So if you thought about the privacy implications of of an organization not handling your sensitive data before, and if you thought about the privacy implications of data leaks just through, you know, your, your run of the mill accidental mishandlings, uh, misconfigurations and the opportunistic hacks here and there, there's now an entire organized effort by nation states and criminal gangs alike to steal sensitive data. That's the thing they're after. There are lots of ways they get there. Stealing credentials, all that other good stuff, vulnerabilities mm-hmm. unpatch. Yeah, yeah, we got to do the basics. We absolutely have to take care of the basics. They have one goal. 
Their goal is to take your sensitive data. And there are entire gangs of people. That's all they're focused on. The, the privacy implications of living in a world where your very, your digital self cam is currently under attack right now by random folks somewhere on the globe. Not my caricature. <laughs> Most certainly. <laughs> Most certainly. So I was going <laughs> to ask you, um, what does this person look like? Is it is it the typical guy with the hoodie and the dark the dark features? Yeah, yeah, it's a good. It's, so it also a good question. So again, the, these are these are criminal gangs these days. So a number of yeah. them are organized crime. They are the, these are these are people that were already part of organized criminal organizations, or they they they've now become parts of those, um, and they're all over the globe. We we believe we big air quotes royal we believe that. Uh, Many of these gangs are are concentrated in countries where our re- our legal reach is difficult to get to, um, mm-hmm. and and so which is to say that we don't think most of them are in the western part of the hemisphere. But I'm not going to start calling out countries by name because you know good luck with that. Um, they're hiding behind seven proxies anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, but what they look like is a very organized criminal effort, and not and not simply you know some kid in the basement. Writing, right. writing code, right? Like that's that's not what it looks like. Uh, I think the other thing that's important to recognize about what it looks like is it looks like it looks like every other threat vector, which is to say they are equally trying to find ways to get at your sensitive data in the way that others are. But the people themselves, they 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 look like organized crime, which is why it's very much in the news this week. So the U.S. government, in particular has labeled the ransomware threat it is it has put it on par with the terrorism threat that's a pretty big statement they've put ransomware they the, the united states department of justice has put ransomware as a threat on the same level as terrorism now hopefully that doesn't mean you have to take your shoes off before you email me any documents that's what i'm hoping for because god well, love me yeah if it means now, that nowadays <laughs> nowadays people don't even have pants on so Right. I mean, we're well, working from home, so it's true. It's true. That's a that's a that's a different privacy problem. Privacy, yeah. please, yeah. please give that man some privacy. <laughs> Should we do a pant check since we're on camera right now, Gabe? No, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're good. All right. Good. All right. Pant check. Pants that's check. good. Pants check. Did, did did we dive into some examples of ransomware? Um, I know we have some examples around Maze. Did you get to dive into that at all? Yeah, we should talk about that because I mentioned, you know, ransomware just being a flavor of, of malware, but there are different types of ransomware. Also, there's there's more than right. one type of ransomware. And with the new ransomware threats constantly appearing, it can be kind of hard to keep track of them. But, you know, the, the most widely reported causes of data breaches last year in particular, as ransomware goes, belong to three pieces of ransomware in particular. There's the, the, the Revel ransomware group. Maze and Phobos, um, where Revel, it's a, it's a ransomware program. It's, it's pretty darn difficult to detect. Maze in particular is a data stealing ransomware that threatens to sell y- your data. That's, that, that's, that's where we're seeing that shift again. Uh, Phobos being ransomware that, that locks productivity documents. So in particular, that one looks for like PowerPoints and, and Excel, et cetera. So it, again, it's, right. it's got that data discovery component to it almost, right? Like it's like, ah, I recognize productivity documents. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock those up so you you can't get work done. 
So, the, so again, the, the three general categories, because they all follow similar patterns, but the three general categories are, you know, lock up the data, lock up the systems, and now this evolution of take the data, lock it up, threaten to release. Okay. And as you can see on my face, um, we have those examples and by the numbers there. Um, if you want to take a look, if you're watching the video version of our faces close up, here we are. We're real. Mostly. Um, so <laughs> a typical ransomware attack, uh, what, what does that actually look like? I can break it down in a few steps. I mean, the, the first is, you know, an, you have an, a, a successful attack vector. You've got mal spam, RDP compromise, and exploit kids drop, vulnerability compromise. Uh, so you, you know, phishing, you're all of your typical channels of, of successful attack vectors, which is to say malware doesn't just enter in through any one door. And this is why, this is why there's no just, we can just go, you know, lock all the doors and ransomware won't get in, right? Like, like with all things in security, that's not an option. That's the first step is some type of successful exploitation of an attack vector. The next step is reconnaissance and lateral movement. Ransomware needs to propagate itself. And so it starts looking left and right and seeing if there are other machines that have similar vulnerabilities that it can propagate itself to. At this point, it already has credentials. It's on a system, right? Like it's found a, a successful attack vector. It's okay at this point just locking up data, especially since so many people have access to data because you need to. There's, there's no way to restrict access. And when you think about it also, right? Like you can't restrict access of certain data types from certain individuals. So the CEO of of Spirian has to have access to a fair amount of our information. Like he just has to. Where, you know, someone else may not need to have access to HR documents. So moving laterally, if I am the CEO, can be enough. And I don't even have to be the CEO. I can be any number of people inside the organization and just move laterally. So I don't necessarily need to, uh, to escalate. So a lot of ransomware doesn't look to necessarily escalate privileges. It's, it's a component of it, but, but it's perfectly okay with lateral movement. So step one, successful attack factor. Step two, reconnaissance, move around laterally. Step three, upon execution, ransomware is going to start scanning files. And in one of the two cases, it's going to look to exfiltrate them and or lock them up. So it starts looking around. It starts doing its data discovery thing. It's trying to find that sensitive data, and it's trying to get it out. It's going to then encrypt it and append it. It'll do that diff- with differently random generated extensions to, to the encrypted files. It's going to then attempt to connect to some type of C2 server, a command control server. It's got a phone home. Let it know, hey, we got a live one over here. Success. And then it'll even try and also like delete shadow copies to ensure that all the data cannot be easily restored. So that even though we're 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 making backups of our data, et cetera, um, it, it's going to try and find those too. It's looking for backup data. All of these strategies to to make ourselves resilient against ransomware are necessary. So I don't want anyone to hear what I'm saying and thinking that there's holes in those things. Uh, you know, those multi steps are necessary for the ransomware to be successful. And so when we look at this problem, we've got to look at it through the lens of where in that attack chain, right? That's an attack chain. I mean, some will call it a kill chain, but we haven't gotten to the kill part yet. Like, but where do we kill it in that attack chain? Did you say kill, kill shot? Chain. Kill shot, yes. Kill, the kill shot. shot and the kill chain. <laughs> okay. Kill shot Same. and the kill chain. Yeah. 
do you do we want to go into some of these uh, ransomware statistics? These are pretty specific, and yeah, we we pulled some numbers again. We wanted to spend this first episode really diving into the problem, and making sure everyone kind of understood, you know, what what was going on, yeah. and and so last year in 2020, for example, uh, about 51 percent of folks that were surveyed across uh, several several different. Uh, Investigated reports and research studies on ransomware found found that they were hit by ransomware. Um, and looking at the aggregate of that information, it 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 takes on average of about eleven seconds, and a company will be hit by ransomware. So every eleven seconds, I know that's one of those hyperbolic statements. Like you know, every every ninety minutes, someone dies of drinking uh, you know a jolt cola, right? Like, <laughs> but but. The math breaks down to every 11 seconds. You know, there's, that's how often an organization is hit by ransomware. And the thing is, someone might read that and think, yeah, but that's a lot of small businesses and so forth too. And it's like, sure it is. And those people, when they're hit, their systems are going to try and, and, and be used, uh, to fish others inside of your large organization, right? Cause you, you probably already trust one of those folks that work at those small organizations. You may do business with them. You may, you may think nothing of it and think it's just some random email that came in too. So that myopic lens of, ah, it won't happen to me is a really bad one because every 11 seconds, someone's getting hit by it, which means there are that many more platforms for ransomware to jump off of. Another sobering statistic is that 73% of ransomware attacks are successful. 73% of them are successful. They gain a foothold in the environment and get to sensitive data. We were talking about those affiliate programs earlier. You want to know what one of those ransomware kits costs if you wanted to go on the dark web right now and buy one on average? It's $50. That's it. 50 bucks. So the next time we ask one of our guests, what would you do with a hundred bucks? Hopefully they don't say, I'm going to go buy two, two ransomware kits on the dark web. They could afford it though with that hundred bucks you give them because that's all it costs. The average demand was only about $178,000, average. But again, remember, 73% of these are successful. 51% of businesses were hit last year, and in every 11 seconds, someone's getting hit. 178 is just an average. That's on the low end. We've seen staggering, sobering numbers recently as we get into the data threat extortion realm that are in the upper millions of dollars. 10, 20, 30, 40 million of 40 million dollars, right? Like in fact, that's the number we saw. CNA Financial, you know, one of the largest insurance companies in the US paid forty million dollars last March to regain control of their networks after ransomware attack. Forty million. That's one of the reasons why it's now being looked at as as a significant nation state problem. Because when forty million dollars yeah. is fueling a criminal organization, you can do a lot more bad with that if you're a criminal organization. A whole lot more bad with that. Yeah. Right. That's problematic. A whole yeah. lot more bad. And about a quarter of, of folks that were hit with ransomware made those payments to the hackers. They made the, a quarter of them made those payments, right? So that's uh, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. And I think there's also again to, to kind of clear up some of the the misinformation in, in 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 the in the echo chamber these days. You know, although a lot of these attacks were in schools and healthcare organizations and government institutions, because they get all the press when it comes to ransomware. The public sector. Is actually less affected by ransomware. Like statistically, it's been shown that like more, like only forty five percent of public institutions were hit by ransomware, which is like six percent lower than the overall average. That's a significant difference. So it gets a lot of press. We talk about healthcare and, and yeah. government organizations because um, 
for the obvious reason, like when a hospital is impacted by it, like taking their systems offline is, well, you want to talk about protecting what matters most. It That's it. That's the thing right there. People's actual lives, their living, breathing selves. But that doesn't account for the larger part of, uh, it doesn't account for the larger part of, of the ransomware hits that we see out there. So let's, let's, I'm not going to use the word twice, but what are some notable shifts in some of the trends and how, how do victims of ransomware actually recover some of their data? So we, we've talked about, I think what's the most noticeable shift, right? Um, which is uh, not just encrypting the data, but now extorting it. Uh, but initially, traditional deployment, yeah. you know, also intended to compromise as many systems across an organization at the same time as possible. So that that was one of the original uh, trends, if you would. Um, this was more of a traditional ransomware distribution method, like this: just get the software onto as many as possible. Um, the goal was to encrypt as many machines as possible. Like, didn't matter what company it was. Roughly by the end of 2019, we saw a shift post-compromise in deployment to focus in on a single victim at a time. So get a foothold, get a toe inside of one organization, and then spend more time trying to locate sensitive data, move around laterally, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Ransomware, in fact, was often not the first and sometimes not even the second stage of malware that was deployed. Right, So to avoid detection – a lot of these ransomware kits started shifting their me- methods to not dropping ransomware first. First, it exploited the system. And then it just live off the land, basic tools that were on the system so it could avoid detection and observe. Just look around, right? You can sit there silently as, as a bit of, quote, malware that does nothing post-exploitation other than search for sensitive data. That's not going to trigger much in the way it's not going to trigger much in the way of your threat detection alerts. It, there are some behavioral products that I've seen attempt to do things like these, but for the most part, that's not. And so we, we see that one of those big shifts is that the ransomware component, right? Like, so the, the actual little kernel that is the ransoming software component of it, that's sometimes not even the first or second stage deployment. That doesn't come after a foothold's been accomplished in the organization. This is what's allowed them to shift their business models. This is what's allowed them to shift into now extorting you. Because now we've taken the time to find the thing that matters most to you. Compromising via vulnerability is, 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 is far more common these days than it was. That I think says something equally too about organizations, right? So not just like phishing any longer, not just trying to, to trick someone into, to getting onto their system, not just, you know, uh, malvertisement attacks where, you know, you, they inject malware into advertising sites and then that, that you get those drive by attacks, you know, not, not compromising mm-hmm. web servers, but back to good old fashioned vulnerability exploitment. In fact, uh, I see that there's a new one in the wild today exploiting VMware systems that is remote code execution that requires no interaction. Like that is a significant Uh vulnerability. Make no mistake about it. Every single ransomware gang out there right now has already updated their kits to include that vulnerability. It just happened. By the time this this airs, that's a problem. 
And so one of the other shifts we see again is this trend towards bigger ransoms for sensitive company data. That's probably the most significant because for all of those shifts in attack vectors, while those things cause pain for the organization, this trend now towards bigger ransoms for sensitive company data, that's the shift that's really hitting the business in the place that hurts. This publishing of stolen data of non-paying victims, that's the shift. That's the shift that hurts. That's the shift that, 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 that slaps you twice because now you're going to, now you're going to have to pay the regulators too. I guess to follow up with that, that's that second question was how often do ransomware victims recover their actual data? There's a glimmer of hope here. So roughly 56% or so of businesses that were hit by ransomware do recover their data by using backups. That number's fairly low, though, if you ask me for like just being able to recover from backup. But there's a host of reasons why doing it is difficult. Um, difficult to to actually roll out backup products. It's difficult to make sure everything's backed up and all the time. Uh, you've got to test backups. There's nothing like backing up data and then never testing your backups and then one day needing it and realizing, crap, my backups weren't good. That's a common problem. Yeah, that's 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 an age old problem. Just like that's a that's an IT problem we've been dealing with since tape drives, right? It's a rookie but on top mistake. of that, I know. But on top of that, fifty-six percent that recover from backups. There's like an additional twelve percent that are covered through other means of of recovering their data. Um, that's either uh, you know some replicas of their data that exist in other places that weren't necessarily backups, but you know there were these these were systems that may have been uh, that 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 may have been. They may have redundancies already built into them, things of that nature. Um, so th- there's there's a, a bunch of other random mechanisms uh, where where folks recover some of that data. Sometimes not all the systems are hit, and so maybe they're able to extract things back out of emails and so on. Um, and then combined with that, there's another 26% of people that just straight up pay the ransom. They pay the ransom. They pay the ransom to get it back. And again, those attackers know that, that even this business model is built on trust. <laughs> This, they say there's no honor among thieves, but sometimes there has to be trust, even if no honor. And so, you know, that other 26% of people just paying for it. So the total combined, you know, between, between those three, roughly 94% of people recover their data. The challenge is how you recover it, right? Because having a plan in place to make sure that that sensitive data wasn't in the way in the first place is one of those strategies. Like it's highly likely that you may be able to get it back, but not paying the ransom, even if you can get it back, still means that they may dump it on the street. It's fascinating. Well, I think that about wraps it up for for part one. Um, Gabe, thank you for diving into that. I hope I hope this was insightful for everybody, and um, I think we all learned something here. But uh, please. Uh, Thank you for, you know, obviously listening to, to our show and for continuing to join us and, and be a part of this. Uh, stick around for next week's episode with our, our guest, uh, Matthew. And also we're going to do live lunch shows to chat. So please join us on uh, Fridays at noon and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys there. But uh, Gabe, you have anything before we wrap it up? No, I'm actually, I'm super excited for next week's episode. This this was just a primer. I just wanted to lay the groundwork for folks to, to kind of get their heads around it because we, we, we do have an audience that's, that straddles the privacy and security line. 
and uh, and sometimes you know we we've got to we we've got to make sure we bring our privacy folks along with us through these security conversations and journeys just as much as we bring the privacy folks along with us through our our security journeys. Uh, I'm sorry, the other way around. <laughs> uh, and so next week episode i'm really really excited for with 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 matthew newfeld um chief security infrastructure officer over at unisys he's going to take us through pushing past all of the fud that you're going to hear and getting towards actual resiliency right and um, i'm just gonna i'm, I'm gonna steal one of his quotes that, that he mentioned to me because i thought it was perfect um but you know building a car that doesn't crash is not his goal when he's building security programs right building a car that protects its passengers when it gets into an accident is and so I think he he has a lot of lessons learned in the real world that are going to be very useful and applicable to this problem in particular. And right now, our listeners are going to be bombarded with all kinds of FUD and, and, and everything else from around the globe about ransomware because it is such a hot topic that uh, that I really hope folks join in for next week. I hope th- this show was was informative. If you have questions, by all means, post it in, re- in re- response to our tweets and our LinkedIn posts. Email us like you always do. We, we, I want to make sure that, that we answer those and, and everyone's prepped for next week. In fact, if you have questions for Matthew Newfield before next week, write those in. Let us know what those are uh, on this topic in particular of, of ransomware and, and this shift that we're seeing towards data theft extortion. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week. And to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep running together.